0: When you combine teenagers, a water park, New Jersey, and alcohol, you get one of the most dangerous amusement parks of all time. Action Park was a water park in Vernon, New Jersey that ran from 1978 to 1996. It became notorious for being unsafe with many accidents and was a place where rules didn't necessarily have to be followed by visitors or owners. I've been to my fair share of sketchy carnivals and amusement parks. I've been on roller coasters where you could see pieces missing and new wooden beams put in their place. In big time parks like Disney or Six Flags, it's all about creating thrills. Their rides create the illusion of feeling unsafe, even though everything is designed with the utmost safety in mind. Some places I've been to weren't even trying to create the illusion. They were genuinely unsafe, but none of these places can compare to Action Park. I vividly remember the stories and news reports of this place. And this is a look back at what can be considered the most dangerous amusement park ever. a great place for the family this summer well action park has 75 of the wildest wettest family rides in the world just minutes away the action, never stops at action, park. action park comes out of the late 70s and has connections to an ex-wall street employee named gene mulvihill this is the time of penny stocks and you just have to picture the Wolf of Wall Street to get an idea. Next, there's Robert Brennan, who was a salesperson for Mulvey Hill. Eventually, they got in trouble for selling worthless stocks. His next move was to buy at some old ski resorts in Vernon, New Jersey. This could be an excellent investment as they could use it for skiing in the winter and recreation in the summer. The area was getting popular as Hugh Hefner had opened a Playboy resort camp in the same area and there was hopes this could be the next Vegas or at least Atlantic City. Donald Trump even went to check out Action Park to see if it was worth investing in. The initial focus was on skiing, but what would they do in the summer? How about rides that try to replicate the speed and action of downhill skiing? The idea was to create intense water slides and make it into an entire park. They pushed the idea that Vernon was going to become the new Orlando, and water parks weren't really a thing yet. Since it was a newer idea, they had to build and create it on the fly. Eventually they put it all together in 1978 to form Action Park. Water slides were the main attraction, but the park was divided into three sections. An area with the slides, an area with the pools, and then Motor World, mostly made up of go-karts and anything with an engine. One of the craziest attractions was the Cannonball Loop. This was a water slide with an actual giant loop in the middle like it was right out of a Hot Wheels racetrack set. Human beings, specifically younger ones, could actually ride this thing. One big issue with rides like this and the entire park is that there didn't seem to be any consulting with engineers. In the fantastic documentary, Class Action Park, we get some great insights into everything that went on. They tell the story of how they tested the loop with crash test dummies. The dummies were coming out completely mangled, some with missing limbs, some missing heads. A few adjustments clearly needed to be made. After the adjustments, they started testing the Cannonball Loop Ride with the teenage employees. Anyone who had the guts to try it would get $100. Some of the first few who tried it came out of the bottom with bloody mouths. They decided to add some padding. Then, others were coming out all cut up. When they went to look back at the top of the loop, they found teeth stuck in the padding. Finally, someone asked if this was safe. They brought in someone from the Navy to measure the effect of the slide. They found out the gravitational effects were the same as an F-14 fighter plane, nine Gs. But it wasn't just the Cannonball Loop. There was the Cannonball Falls, which was a water slide that would launch you out 10 feet in the air into a 17 foot deep pool below. Kids were getting rocked on this ride and having to be pulled out of the pool. And we need to point it again None of these were designed by engineers or ride experts. Anyone who thought up an idea had a genuine shot of seeing it created. Apparently, Cannonball Loop was designed on a cocktail napkin and built by local welders. Here's another one. They took a giant ball with another ball inside. Picture a hamster ball, but for human beings. Ball bearings were in between the two balls, and you would sit in this thing as it rode on a PVC track down a mountain. On a test run, the track broke and the ball continued to roll down the mountain and right across a highway. There was also the super speed slide where riders could hit speeds of 60 miles per hour. Here's another one. One water slide was designed, I'm using quotes, to create zero Gs and the rider would take flight in the air while riding down it. It actually went well at first until one kid went so high in the air he launched right off the track. And he had to be stretchered out. It wasn't just the water slides. There were other situations that could still cause injury. So just disclaimers from here on in, there are some disturbing stories that come up. First one is they paved the entire park with black asphalt. That meant the asphalt was absorbing and reflecting all the heat from the sun and turning people's feet into mincemeat. One of the rides had bees' nests all around the bottom of the ride. There was also the Tarzan swing. It was a simple idea, swing out and release into a pool below. Most people couldn't hold their weight and would either go crashing into the rocks or would face plant into the water. But that wasn't the main problem. The water was actually freezing cold spring water with live trout in it. Going from super hot and humid weather into freezing cold water was putting some people into shock. Where were the lifeguards during all this, you asked? They were most likely taunting the person making that jump, along with all the other spectators in the area. Let's not forget, along with the dangerous rides, Action Park was also serving alcohol. Alcohol and danger, what could possibly go wrong? Also, the staff was as young as 14 and around 17 on average. It was a park run by teenagers for teenagers. Picture Lord of the Flies, but with more sunscreen. Action Park was in full force going into the 1980s, but you're probably asking yourself this question. How in the hell was this possible, and how could they ever get insurance for a place so dangerous? Not surprisingly, the owners of the park were not too concerned about insurance, but they obviously needed it to stay open. As pointed out in the documentary, Hill created his own phony insurance company called London and World Assurance Limited, it was based out of the Cayman Islands, and nothing sketchy ever seems to be associated with the Cayman Islands. Not only did he have a company per- to prevent him from paying insurance, but he could also launder money through it. This didn't go unnoticed, and the state eventually investigated. Even though he refused to appear in court, Mulvey Hill pleaded guilty to conspiracy and fraud. Action Park was partially on state land, and they forced him to give up control. Again, he found a way around this by becoming the worst tenant ever. Action Park simply refused to pay rent or taxes. Somehow, this worked. The state of New Jersey was at its wit's end and decided to just sell him the land. All ties were severed and he was no longer connected to the state. He could do whatever he wanted. Whenever he needed a new ride, he would turn back to his Wall Street friend for money. How could a park that went through all this turmoil still attract people? Well, it did. When they started running commercials for Action Park, everyone wanted to go incredible it's spectacular it's unbelievable it's action park you're in total control of over 50 sensational rides and family attractions at the world's largest participation fun spot there's unforgettable time-stopping heart-pumping action faster than chain lightning with rides that stretch your imagination to the breaking point enjoy hours of action minutes away in the clean fresh air of the new jersey mountainside at action park vernon valley great gorge new jersey When Action Park first opened, it started with a two-day promotion, including a Dolly Parton look-alike contest and a tobacco juice spinning competition. But honestly, what kid wouldn't wanna go to Action Park? You could slide off cliffs into water, race go-karts, and take 20-foot jumps into pools. But here come the injuries. Most of the dangerous things we've covered happened to the staff and those who were testing the rides, but now the park was fully open to the public. Rules aren't just being avoided, they're not even being enforced. To get down the water slides, kids were supposed to be instructed to hold their arms in front of them across their chest to avoid injury. But again, nothing was being enforced. They were going on rides in any position they wanted and hitting the water at such force shoulders were being dislocated. And going down a ride head first could result in kids being knocked out when hitting the water from 20 feet above. Eventually, the bottom of the pools needed to be painted white so lifeguards could see unconscious kids. There was Surf Hill, which was like a giant slip and slide that went down a cliff. Someone apparently broke their neck on this ride. There was a tube ride that was so overrun with people it became like roller derby. In that documentary, they tell of kids being rammed and launched straight out of the ride. Ride security wouldn't even try to slow down the rate of tubes and just let kids go, resulting in multiple pileups. Just picture that episode from The Simpsons. Rides weren't properly maintained, and it wasn't uncommon to see bolts sticking out of the slides. Then there was the Colorado River Ride. This was supposed to be a lazy river ride, but the owners wanted to create the experience of whitewater rafting. They would load several people into a tube and just let her rip down a course that wasn't designed properly. You could get stuck in multiple areas and then be hammered by another group coming in at warp speed. This ride used Class 4 Rapids, which I don't have to explain to you is not for amateurs. Initial testing on this ride had people coming back unconscious. With all these issues, you'd think there would be lifeguards all over the place for the Colorado River ride. Nope, you didn't have lifeguards helping you on the real Colorado River, so they decided you didn't need them here. And remember, this attracted testosterone-laden kids hopped up on who knows what, looking for trouble, and with no rules to follow. Fights and violence were common, as the clientele were not exactly the elite of society. But now the news reports begin. Not only are kids getting pummeled by the rides, but by each other. The pools and rides were turning into mosh pits. As the injuries and violence piled up, the news reports started to spread. Enticed by what they were hearing, even more questionable youth started to show up. It sounded like American gladiators in water. Police in the area said the majority of the calls during the day were for Action Park. And we haven't even touched on Motor World. Fueled by an afternoon of drinking, visitors could stumble from the beer tent straight next door to the go-kart tracks. People were driving wherever they wanted. They were leaving the track in their car and driving through the grass and fields. Employees found out how to override the speed governor, and the carts could now hit speeds of up to 60 miles per hour. Go-karts were being taken by staff out onto the nearby highway. Then, there were the super speed boats, which were... Proper speedboats in a lazy river. These legitimate miniature speedboats were treated like bumper boats with users ramming the hell out of each other. Boats would regularly flip over. The water was so filled with gas and oil that you dare not fall into it. Did I mention the action battle tanks? Thankfully, these things only shot tennis balls until kids were finding the gas tanks and lighting the balls on fire to shoot them. But when it came to injuries, there was one ride to rule them all, the alpine slide. A chairlift would take you to the top of the hill where you got in a little cart that had a stick in the front to control braking and speed. The track was made of fiberglass and concrete with a nice mix of asbestos thrown in. It turns out many of the carts were broken so the brakes would do nothing. Now, the users are rocketing down a hot concrete track wearing nothing but bathing suits. People were getting launched off the track. Again, it wasn't designed properly to keep people on. Broken bones and torn up skin were a daily occurrence. It got so bad that pictures of injuries were included at the top of the ride as a warning to see how dangerous this thing was. On an average day, 50 to 100 people were being injured on the Alpine slide. Double that on the weekends injuries were treated in a makeshift infirmary by spraying a weird orange concoction on the wounds. Action Park was taking up most of the usage of the area ambulances to the point they were forced to buy their own. Again, this is the 1980s, so they didn't have to disclose their injury reports, only the most serious, and they were allowed to determine what constituted a serious injury. A park like this wouldn't last two minutes today, but Again, this was the 80s. In an era of deregulation, many believed they could just regulate themselves. For Action Park, the idea was you could throw caution into the wind and no one could stop you. The owners of Action Park also had connections to some higher up people which seemed to lead to even fewer restraints. It's not that lawsuits weren't happening, they simply refused to settle. They would draw out the cases so long that it became too much trouble to even pursue. In that documentary, they point out that any cops that showed up were probably given some monetary encouragement to keep going. But yes, unfortunately, there were deaths. One incident involved the kayak river. The river had underwater fans that kept the water moving. Someone fell into the water and a fan short-circuited, electrocuting them. The wave pool had a death zone, as it, too, became nothing more than a mosh pit and water over your head lifeguards who sat in the death chair would regularly save the lives of four to five people every shift unfortunately another death occurred in the wave pool the water was so murky from a muddy runoff human excrement and open wounds that it was almost impossible to see the bottom and then it happened again and then someone else tragically passed away riding the alpine slide these incidents took place in the early 80s but another death occurred in 1984 then again in 1987, also in the wave pool. It seems unfathomable how this place continued to operate, but it did. Investigations obviously took place, but the facts became too misconstrued. Even if you tried to sue the park, you probably weren't going to end up with anything because the insurance company wasn't even real. The other problem was that Action Park was a big part of the local economy. They brought in a lot of money, employed hundreds of people, and paid a lot in taxes. Local officials were likely to look the other way when a serious incident occurred. And it may have been dangerous to speak up. Were there connections to the mob? Who knows, but people still seem cautious. They say there's no such thing as bad publicity, but in the case of Action Park, the negative press reports eventually caught up with them. The constant news reports about the danger and accidents at the park caused people to turn away. By the 1990s, attendance dropped. More lawsuits had also popped up. Apparently, some 24 injury claims had been filed against the parent company, Great American Recreation. Then there was the issues with Robert Brennan. He had been found guilty of money laundering and fraud. He went to jail for 10 years and Action Park no longer had its usual cash flow. Great American Recreation eventually declared bankruptcy. The end of the '96 season would be the last for Action Parks. When Action Park opened in the late 70s, early 80s, they could get away with anything. By the time the mid 90s rolled around, there was a whole new world of legalities and regulations. Action Park came out at the right time and could have only existed during the 80s. But the park still exists, albeit in an entirely new form. It was purchased by a company that took out all those old features and renamed it Mountain Creek. It was now just a regular and very safe water park. In 2014, It was then bought back by the son of Gene Mulvihill. The name was changed back to Action Park. In 2016, the name went back to Mountain Creek Water Park. If you grew up in the 70s and 80s, you know we were probably one of the last generations where parents didn't totally care. We would disappear for hours on end no cell phones no checking in just be back in time for dinner i wasn't technically allowed to ride my bike outside of my neighborhood but we would often ride to explore old abandoned homes this was an era where you could still get in trouble with teachers and what they said goes my parents would never question what a teacher would have to say but these days i think it's the complete opposite we drank from rusty hoses and we had to walk it off when we got hurt this isn't to say that the 80s approach was no noble. It was just a different time, and Action Park was the personification of all this. It represented the freedoms kids had during this era. Looking back, it seems pretty horrifying, but at the time, this was just par for the course. Every city had its own small version of Action Park. It probably wasn't on the same scale, but we all had certain funfairs, parks, and playgrounds that were a massive risk to use. We had playground and climbing equipment at our schools that were absolute death traps. My elementary school had a gigantic steel spiderweb cage-like creation. The top of this thing was a good eight feet off the ground, and I remember so many kids, including myself, getting battered from using it. Today, no one would even consider installing something like this. It's not that we were any better for how we handled things, we just didn't know any other way. The story of Action Park is like capturing the essence of the 1980s in a nutshell. It appealed to our love of risk and danger. We jumped BMX bikes off of homemade ramps and did flying elbows off our garages onto piles of mattresses. Like Action Park, we seemed to have very few limits and restrictions. A place like Action Park was a 1980s utopia. It appealed to our lack of senses and desire for risk. Action Park came out at the right time, in the right place, with the right approach. Yes, there are some terrible and unfortunate stories, but it remains the perfect microcosm for how so many kids experienced the 80s. So let's finish it there. I hope you like this look back on a very interesting time period and a very interesting story. You may have heard of this before. You might be from the area or this might be brand new to you. But I mean, if you go on YouTube, you can get a better idea of what these rides look like. You can see there's even old like home movies of people riding down that Alpine course thing and even getting hurt while they're filming it. So uh, if you see that cannonball loop ride, you can dig deeper if you want and there's Again, that great documentary, Class Action Park, and other YouTube channels that have covered it if you want to see the visual. But that's it for me here. As we finish, uh, I just wanted to say if you're interested in supporting a show like this, small independent podcast, you can check me out at patreon.com slash 80s. And that's where for as little as a few bucks a month, you can support the show, but you get different audio rewards. And there are various tiers. Say at the Boba Fett tier, you get access to the Everything 80s Movie Club. And I just reviewed probably my favorite comedy of all time, definitely of the 80s, Weird Al Yankovic's UHF. So if you're part of Patreon and the Movie Club over there, check your feed if you haven't listened to it already. A movie, I, I had to keep this thing. I like to keep the shows to around a half hour. I could talk about that movie forever. I've seen it so many times. I know all the ins and outs of it. So again, if you want to, listen to my episode about UHF or if you want to learn more about supporting this show just go to patreon.com slash 80s p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash 80s or wherever you're listening to this on right now in the show notes or description of the show there'll be a link that'll take you right there okay that's it for me thank you for listening I will be back soon with a new episode don't you dare miss it